Welcome to Cognation. I'm Joe Hardy. And I'm Rolf Nelson. On this episode, we're going to discuss microwaves and the possibility of using microwaves in attacks and how cognitive science might have a role in understanding what is or is not happening in these microwave attacks. In episode four, we talked about something called the Frey effect. And recently there's been an update on this story. So the New York Times posted uh, a new story on attacks that are happening in China now. So originally the story was about uh, Cuba and uh, people were reporting things like uh, headaches, dizziness, and they also reported hearing some strange sounds that didn't seem to go away when they covered their ears or uh, changed when they moved to another position in the room. So there was a proposal that these sounds came from uh, uh, microwaves directed at their heads through a process called the Frey effect, which essentially, again, and we, we discussed this before, which essentially causes your head, your, your brain to jiggle in sync with the microwaves and sends this along to your, uh, to your auditory nerve, to the cochlea, and you hear a high-pitched sound, even though it's electromagnetic energy and not actual physical sound pressures like you would normally hear. Right. So instead of having you know, sound waves propagated in, through the air, as normally happens in sound, this is like essentially your, the inside of your head being cooked a little bit. And just that, a little. Just a little bit. And the vibration from that cooking uh, essentially causing you to have acoustic experiences so you can hear things. And so that, that, that reference to being able to hear sounds in response to pulsed microwave radiation is what's the, is the fray effect per se. And some of these other health effects, these putative health effects are, you know, thought to be perhaps related to, um, you know, to these microwave transmissions, although that is disputed. So in our in our episode four, when we talked about this first, I think, Joe, you were a lot more skeptical about the idea that microwaves were uh, the cause of this. Right. I mean, we had um, done some research and we actually spoke with uh, uh, Professor Galome, who is a medical doctor and professor who uh, has written about this. And uh, her basic point was that uh, the symptoms that were occurring in the people coming from the Cuban embassy, both Americans and Canadians who were suffering from, from uh, a bunch of different symptoms uh, that seemed consistent with what might be happening in a microwave type attack. Uh, so things like headaches, uh, the sounds that we talked about, hearing sounds that are either a high-pitched whine or grinding sound, uh, and also, um, you know, fatigue, some other symptoms included nosebleeds, uh, you know, a variety of different, fairly common symptoms, uh, somewhat but, nonspecific symptoms too. So, right. uh, so maybe harder to figure out the origins of them. Yeah. So, you know, there, there basically comes down to two predominant theories here, um, why is it that so many people working at this uh, American embassy in Cuba, and, and then also 
similarly, uh, diplomats in China uh, at the same time period, this is really 2018 is when most of this was happening. Why would there be so many people? It was like 25 people, I think, in in Cuba and maybe 15 in China on that order of magnitude uh, reporting symptoms like this. One explanation is that there's some sort of attack or, or other uh, a, something that's happening to them. Uh, and, the, and the microwave attack is, is the number one hypothesis, or it's that there is some sort of uh, psychogenic response. So in other words, people are reacting because you know they're in a stressful environment and other people are having these symptoms and they're reporting these symptoms. And so, you know, um, others, you know, sort of pick up on that and then have similar symptoms. So, so that's, those are sort of the two main competing hypotheses is there's some sort of an attack or it's, it's psychogenic. Um, and, and people are, are experiencing this. It's caused from the inside out rather than the outside in. And yeah, so I mean, my my originally I was very high, very skeptical about it, um, and you know it's still difficult to say that whether the, this is like a microwave attack per se. But uh, as we looked more into it, there's definitely a, quite a bit there there. So it's worth uh, thinking about a bit more and discussing a bit more. I think. So essentially, this is uh, us unfolding our weird conspiracy theories about this. Although it's not really that conspiratorial and i think um there's some good reason there are some good reasons once you uh, put things together to suspect that this could be the case and i think probably the biggest reason to suspect it is that it seems to have happened before in the embassy in moscow right that's right yeah the uh there were reports uh from the 60s and 70s that the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was being bombarded by microwave radiation. And I think it's important to understand that, and this is something that we're, that we're also learning kind of as we're going through this, uh, that microwaves are just, you know, just re- microwaves per se just refer to a specific band of electromagnetic radiation. So uh, electromagnetic radiation over a certain frequency range, essentially. Um, so it's not just this, you know, the stuff that is in your, your microwave oven. Right. Uh, but there, and, and these, but it's electromagnetic radiation and it's used in commute and point to point communications. So a variety of different types of systems might use microwaves. So things like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, et cetera, could use microwave radiation. So it's commonly used in point to point communication at low frequencies. I mean, at low, uh, energy. And so and that's, yeah. I mean, that's to me, that seems like it could be used. To, I mean, it could be an you, their intent is to interfere with existing communications. Right. And so we looked back at this uh, article from 1979, where in the New York Times, where they describe um, that Russia agreed to stop bombarding the U.S. embassy with microwave radiation because they wanted to, uh, you know, improve relations ahead of uh, a high-level meeting, basically. So um, it was. It, it was in this case. It was. It was barely even a secret because the embassy, the people at the embassy, were well aware that they were constantly being bombarded by some some signal, and 
they knew that there was a signal both from what was it from the north and the south there were there were two separate signals that they they could uh, distinguish and um, they were on what a couple hours a day so they they were kind of always there in the background and, and the embassy people knew all about it and at one point they even were directed to install shielding to block any radiation from coming in right right yeah so this was a this was you know by all reports an actual thing that was happening uh, you know there were detectors that the the uh, us used that they could identify that these signals were being um, projected in the direction of the U.S. embassy, and that they were in fact, you know, in the uh, penetrating the embassy. And there are different hypotheses. That I don't think anyone, you know, no one in our in the reporting that we were looking at clearly knew why they were doing it. There was a couple hypotheses. One might be that, you know, there were somehow interfering with communication systems or mm-hmm. activating communication systems. You know, maybe there's some sort of recording just device, just causing or... general chaos with all communications. Yeah, just just somehow some spy stuff, right? That they were doing. Yeah, uh, and another possibility was that they were actually trying to harm people in the embassy, uh, causing psychological distress or you know physical distress uh, in some capacity. And so, yeah, so the, the and this was something that was apparently going on for many years. Yeah, in, many years in the Soviet Union at, at the U.S. Embassy, and so that that history is a little bit where this theory, which I mean, it, I mean, it is a conspiracy theory, but I mean, it may yeah. you know, it has elements of truth to it. It may actually be true. We don't know, um, but that's where that that's sort of, the, sort of the basis of where this comes from. That's like sort of the historical fact that the people point to. Um, that you know where this is coming from and so in yeah. you, when you look at the symptoms i mean the symptoms are quite similar too they're listed i mean it's these non-specific you know oxidative stress type sim- symptoms the headaches inability to concentrate they say the same exact thing in um in these attacks from the 60s and 70s so that's where the similarity really starts to you know it seems pretty familiar right Right, exactly, exactly. And we talk about this more, and, and, and Dr. Galam goes into it in some detail in our February 12th, 2019 episodes. There are two episodes. They're essentially 4A and 4B. Uh, uh, one's called the Frey Effect or One Microwaves Attack, and the other is called Frey Effect Continued, Dr. Beatrice Galam. And uh, yeah, so if you're interested in more of the details of, of, some, of all of the symptoms that people are reporting, you can go back and look at that. Also, there's you know, a number of articles in the New York Times about this uh, from the spring and summer of 2018. So and, if you want to refresh, actually, if yeah. you want to refresh on some of this stuff, go back and listen to the episode. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, not, not at all. Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, this has even got a name uh, now, the Havana syndrome is what it's being called due to the effects that people were, uh, that people had in Cuba. And now, I mean, and this, I believe it was the New Yorker article. There was a, it's called the mystery of the Havana syndrome mm-hmm. from uh, November 19th in 2018. I think that might be where the name comes from, from that article. But in any case, it now has a moniker associated with it, the Havana syndrome. And so it's enough of a thing that it's even, you know, that it's got a name and all that kind of stuff. And, and, 
Also, I mean, the other thing to note is that this has had you know, real or imagined. This uh, has absolutely had real consequences. I mean, whether the effect is real or imagined, the phenomenon has had real international diplomatic impact because the U.S. actually pulled most of its um, diplomats from Cuba nominally over this attack. Yeah, and that was and, in 2018. Yeah, and a different situation happens in China because you know I guess it's easier to you know condemn Cuba and say you know say something to them than it is to um, sort of issue a broad statement against China. So the, the United States did not respond as aggressively. Right. Uh, that's China. what the most recent New York Times article is about, is that there's this kerfuffle around um, a difference in the way that diplomats who are reporting these symptoms coming from China are being treated versus the diplomats in Cuba and how they were being treated. And the speculation is that the difference is due to the different diplomatic relationships vis-a-vis -vis Cuba and uh, China, where you know the the administration didn't want to upset China ahead of some trade talks, and they were excited to you know uh, cause you know you know to have something to complain about uh, with regards to Cuba. So there was a difference there, and so diplomats from China are saying that they should receive the same benefits and including disability benefits and medical treatment that the yeah, that's the tricky thing with this when it play if it when it's playing out in this diplomatic field that it becomes a political issue so it, it becomes a little harder to figure out exactly what's going on because like i mean like in the in the moscow situation it's it's a it's like a it's a secret that everybody knows about, right? It's right out there in the open. They're clearly bombarding them with microwave radiation, and they know all about it. Um, and you know, their response—you know—they they, they this would only happen probably in a diplomatic kind of situation where you have to, you know, there are other kinds of consequences. You know, instead of saying, "Hey, stop," you know, we know you're shooting microwaves at us. Stop that. Right, right. <laughs> you yeah, just and, have and, to treat it in treat it in some sort of more subtle way, which is just bizarre. It is, and it, and it basically, um, it seems that um, yeah. So this this character who's uh, the feature in the New York Times article from uh, October of this year, October nineteenth, um, U.S. diplomats and spies battle Trump administration over suspected attacks is the name of the article. Uh, and the character, his name is Mark Lenzi. And it says here, Mark Lenzi and his wife had lightheadedness, sleep issues, and headaches, and their children were waking up with bloody noses. Symptoms they thought might be from smog in Guangzhou, China, where Mr. Lenzi worked for the State Department. But air pollution could not explain his sudden memory loss, including forgetting names and work tools, uh, names of work, tool, of work tools. Uh, so... This is, you know, so doc, so Mr. Lenzi uh, goes on to describe, you know, a bit about what happened, what he believes happened to him in China and others as well. So others who were working in China had similar symptoms that seem like 
maybe the same kinds of symptoms that diplomats in Cuba had. And we've, you know, the U.S. has said that, you know, essentially these people in Cuba were experiencing some some kind of an attack, and that's why they were withdrawn. Whereas in China, they're basically saying, no, that, that it's a different situation. And interestingly, Mike Pompeo figures into this as being, uh, at the time, head of CIA, saying that one of these cases, at least in China, looks a lot like what was happening in Cuba. And then later kind of walked that back. So Yeah, so they have to, so they have to, it does sound like there's something that isn't being conveyed clearly, right? Right, right. And then, you know, in in, in this China situation, again, there was someone who reported having detected microwave radiation using some sort of a detector device. And then the U.S. government followed up. But according to this report, there's at least some speculation that the equipment they were using to test was intentionally not the highest quality or caliber testing uh, device. Uh, and see, that's where the conspiracy part comes in. That's like yeah, the cover-up stuff. The cover-up stuff, right, exactly. So that's the, that's the speculation, is that they didn't want to find the microwave radiation, so they didn't. Yeah, that's see, the- this is my biggest question about the whole thing, and this is what I, I, I guess I've been thinking about the story, is, okay, it's microwave radiation, which is pretty common and easily detectable, and also in the same frequency range as, you know, lots of other stuff going around, Bluetooth and and um, cell phone signals. Um, why, you know, why wasn't this um, triangulated as soon as they, as soon as there was any suspicion of this happening? Why isn't it that there's um, detection going on more so that they can locate where the signal's coming from and confirm what's going on? Now, maybe that's, maybe that actually happened and maybe the, you know, the embassy did that but just didn't report it. And, you know, maybe it's, something that um right and that's why on, but yeah exactly and and that's sort of what we were talking about before the show was you know, maybe we should you know issue like a foia kind of inquiry and see if we can find out some more information here but we owe it to our listeners don't we We owe it to our listeners <laughs> and ourselves frankly to, to and ourselves dig into this a little bit more because you know we're curious now and uh you know, you make, I mean, you make a good point. The, you know, in the 60s and 70s, yeah, there were detectors at the U.S. Embassy in the Soviet Union in Moscow. So the technology is old and the technology you know, there's there. much better technology and probably much cheaper technology to, to detect these signals. Right. I mean, what I want to understand a little bit better is, you know, what is the state of the art with these types of weapons? You know, like what is possible? How how much energy, how much power can you actually produce uh, at what distances? Because you know microwaves are a line of sight communication, so you know it would need to be like some you know some sort of a beam pointed directly at where it was intended to have its effect. Um, well, here's and- the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Um, we were really interested in the Frey effect and understanding how the Frey effect works. So understanding how these microwaves are are causing one of the symptoms that they're hearing this kind of noise but 
it seems quite possible that there's a lot wider range of frequencies that are being bombarded so that the Frey effect is just sort of one accidental effect that may have happened to a few individuals because they, you know, they happen to get some spillover of this. But, um, you know, one thing we know is that microwave radiation itself doesn't cause these kinds of symptoms like a bloody nose, or at least we, that doesn't seem likely that, you know, bloody noses or, you know, serious brain damage would occur from microwave radiation. Right? Well, at, lo at low, yeah. I mean, at, at low power, we know that microwave radiation does not sure, cause. Sure, if you stuck those... your head, right, if you stuck your head in a microwave and turned it on, of course. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so that's what damage. we're really saying. It's like, what would what would the what would the characteristics of this signal need to be like to to cause? But what we, I mean, I think what we what we have come to is that microwave radiation essentially, I mean, it can interact with your body and your brain, but essentially what it does is it vibrates larger. Um, objects and you know causes them to heat up, but it doesn't it doesn't target individual neural pathways or individual cells for for damage. It's not uh, it's not ionizing radiation, so it's not like UV light, which would start to break down you know specific molecules, uh, you know, or DNA or something like that. Um, so it doesn't have impact at that level. Although you know vibration and heat. Both, you know, I mean, the vibration itself is the thing that nominally is causing the sound experience or the experience of you know, acoustic uh, yeah. inputs, uh, you know, just by the vibration of the inner ear itself. And so you can imagine that having all kinds of consequences. And, and that's, that's part of what they're saying. I mean, the, the interesting thing here from the medical side, you know, you've got Dr. Gallone, but you've also got, you know, doctors at... University of Pennsylvania, where a number of these patients were treated, saying that these are not symptoms; these are brain damage symptoms. Because you're, you're seeing actual when you're doing scans, you see some white matter damage. That's right, and I think they're also having some clinical assessments that they believe is consistent with, um, you know, brain damage essentially. So, yeah, interesting. It might be interesting to see if we could reach out to. Um, to some of those folks and if they would be interested in talking at all yeah, um, more about it. Yeah. But I mean, th th there's, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more here uh, to, to understand. I mean, if it's not, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are, who are experiencing symptoms um, yes. that are consistent with, with brain damage. I mean, brain damage is kind of like a loaded term, but what's a, what's a better way to say that? I mean, they're they're having they're experiencing these these health symptoms that are consistent with some sort of uh, changes in their in their brains, and why would they all be ex experiencing that if it were not for some sort of coordinated something? Whether it's like a disease, or uh, but there's no diseases detected, you know, or or some sort of attack. Uh, it could be mm -hmm. you know could be psychogenic we know that that's a possibility but then it doesn't explain the physiological effects so i think going forward some things to get more understanding of is like what are what is the evidence of physiological uh changes in the brains of these people mm -hmm. what is known about what kind of detection systems have been used for microwaves in these cases and then what is the state of the art of these types of weapons 
what could what's possible here you know what what could be going on yes um man and if if the government's not going to do it then i think we we need to go to china and set something up and we can triangulate and find that weapon yes but i think we're going to have to wait till covid is over yeah i'm not not interested in going on a like a long plane ride uh right now but yeah uh, i just i i feel like it's 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 maddening to think about this we don't know what the answer is but i feel like if there was someone curious enough at the time when this was happening they could have easily have set up some detection system and figured out if there was a signal coming from somewhere and exactly where it was it's possible somebody did that and has an idea of it right i mean isn't it wouldn't it be the case that you wouldn't even necessarily have to be inside the building if if you knew the direction you know right or you could get right. like a line of sight of from the outside, assuming that this, you know, whatever signal had to come from the outside of the building into the inside of the building, you get, you know, on the, from the outside of the building, you could potentially, yeah, you know, put some sort of detector up there and see if there's something going on there. It might be hard to access Havana right now, but like Guangzhou, China, lots of Americans are there right now. Yeah. And in the one in, in uh, Moscow, it was, I think it went for a couple hours a day. Mm-hmm. So, you'd, I mean, you'd notice something, you know, going up at some particular time of the day. I, I think all embassies from now on should be equipped with some sort of, I mean, they should have shielding and detection systems and all kinds of right. stuff. Right. No, and, and, and every every diplomat should, should be equipped with a, a tinfoil hat. Yes, a tinfoil hat. <laughs> everybody That's needs the bottom one. line. <laughs> so everybody needs a tinfoil helmet. And that, that's the place to start for sure. Well, cool. I think, well, I think we need to go back and, and find some more information and learn some more on this uh, and we'll report back. But any other thoughts on, on the topic while we're on it? Oh, there's a lot to get into. Oh, one thing I have to do is I have to give a shout out to Jesse Charpentier who, uh, who brought this to my attention and got us reinterested in the Frey effect and, and what's going on. Uh, I mean, this continuing mystery. Right. Right. And, and so my understanding is that you still have not implemented the Frey effect in your lab. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> you're, 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 you're just putting together the, uh, the microwave emitter uh, that you're going <laughs> to use to cook your brain uh, to, to experience this yourself, right? I'm just hesitating on pressing the button. That's all. It's all hooked up. You've got the Arduinos all set up mm-hmm. and uh, you're, you're, you're ready to go. You just need to press the button. What do you think would be more dangerous than using direct current on your skull, which people use already? It, I, you know, I think it's just the thing of you'd you'd, you'd want to have it built by somebody who knew what they were doing. I think it's mm. it's it's almost certainly uh, you know there's a range of intensity of this where you could experience some sound probably and not be permanently damaged from it. I mean. Alan Frey is still alive, right? And he's in his 80s. Yeah. Yes, so he's, he's still around. I know. We should ask him what he thinks. Yeah, Alan Frey, if you're listening to this. Yes. We'd love to have you as a Give guest. Give us a shout out. You know, you can we're, you can find us on Twitter, at JLHardyPhD, at NationCog. You can email us at cognationpodcast at gmail.com. That's cognationpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Love to hear people's thoughts about the Frey effect and these microwave attacks. 
And hopefully we'll have another episode about this um, and continue to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a physicist who knows uh, something about microwaves and, and the possibility of like how a weapon like this could be constructed and what its characteristics would be, we'd love to have you on the show. And if you are a diplomat and have some specific information here, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. Yes. Thanks for listening.